Hey, hey, this is Coach AA, and welcome to the March 13th edition. Now, before we start a request, I would truly appreciate it if you can share one of these posts or any of the posts you've listened to in the past with one friend of yours. Seriously, just one. All right. On to the three posts I have for you today. The first one, how to use the concept of reverse linear progression to help you stop eating when you're full rather than overeat without meaning to. The second one is a simple thought on play and how it is relevant to me and how you might find that useful. And the last one, a recent story of how I did the hardest plank I've ever done and the lesson I learned and what I hope to share with you. So let's get going. First one, a reverse linear progression. The first time I heard the word burrito was when Chipotle opened up near campus where I was um, in grad school. So they gave away a free burrito for anyone on their opening day. Now, those are magic words to any broke-ass grad student. And so a couple of friends and me, well, we stood in line for a few blocks. This is my first ever time at uh, Chipotle. I had no idea what a burrito was. So here I am. My appetite and portion sizes were about the same as they were in India. Now, this is a couple of weeks or less than a month um, of me moving to the U.S. For those of you who've uh, uh, visited or lived in the U.S., you know that there is a crazy difference in portion sizes. So I load up my burrito because uh, it's free and it's the size of my face and I start to gobble up my food. But I barely finish a third of it while my two friends uh, easily eat it. Well, but they are much, much bigger than me and well, they're American, they grew up with these portion sizes. Anyway, so I saved up my burrito and I ate the rest for dinner. Amazing, right? And this sparked another memory, which pretty much on my first day in town, um, me and my buddy, we went to uh, Steak and Shake for lunch. I had a burger and a chocolate milkshake. And for the first ever time in my life, I wasted my chocolate milkshake. Now, this is just insane. It's not something I do. Chocolate milkshake, yeah, it's not meant to be wasted. And the ridiculous thing is, not only did I not even finish what was in my glass, at least in Steak and Shake, how it works when you dine in, they give you the that that metal tumbler that they use 
to make the milkshake itself. So once you finish, you can top it up. Crazy. So I was in shock and sadness for wasting a truly delicious chocolate milkshake. So after this burrito incident and, well, my chocolate milkshake incident, what happens is something funny. There's something as simple as linear progression. In less than six months, I was easily polishing off my chipotle burritos. In fact, I was having chips and salsa and the burrito and, of course, a tall glass of soda. And at Steak and Shake, yeah, finishing those gargantuan milkshakes after getting drinks and dinner with my buddies. What the heck happened? As I mentioned, simple, linear progression. It happened slowly but steadily, right? For example, the second time I had a burrito, it's not like I ate a burrito every day, but let's call it once a week. The second time I ate a burrito, I ate a little bit more. And about two months in, I was starting to eat two-thirds of it. So it was no longer lunch and dinner. And then what happens when I realized, well, I couldn't really eat dinner, I started to force myself to eat a little bit more at lunch because I'm going to throw the rest away and you don't waste food, right? And of course, every other meal that I'm eating out, I am slowly eating more than I should because it's there on my plate. From packing half of every plate I ate, slowly it got to, "Ah, I guess I can eat a little bit more. I guess I can eat a little bit more. And within six months, I was eating American-sized portions, aka fucking gargantuan portions that I had no business eating and something I was not capable of a few months back. I'm sure you've been in this situation. You've eaten more than you should have. Multiple times, of course. You feel full and not so good and you chastise yourself. But the food was so good, you were so hungry that you ate too fast and got too full. Now, this occasional overeating is not a problem. It's not what I'm talking about because, you know, you you did it and you know you shouldn't have. But what happens when you go through something that I did and any of you who moved to the U.S. for more than a year have been through is that your stomach size and your portion sizes grow you suddenly are eating so much more than you have. This changes a whole lot of things in you. Now, you've signaled to your body that you can eat more. Well, the useful part is, this is a two-way street. You can slowly and steadily get back to what is reasonable for you. Let me explain. What if you can train your mind and body to eat lesser portion sizes? So, today, if you suddenly eat half of your regular portion, you're of course, you're going to feel hungry. But instead, 
you eat 95%. You barely know the difference. You can do this by slowing your eating, double your chewing, and load up things on a small plate rather than a large plate. And over six months, you'll find that your portion sizes are, I don't know, I'm making a number here, but let's call it two-thirds to 80% of what it is today, which might be your appropriate amount. And you do it in this slow, easy fashion so that your mind and body have time to get there as opposed to starting today, I'm going to eat half. Because please note, I'm not asking you to starve or eat half your food indiscriminately. We live in a day and age where we overconsume calories too easily. We eat more than we should. And it is simply because we have unconsciously trained our mind and body on this linear progression. Slowly, you can reverse it. Now, the concept of linear progression in strength training and endurance work is rather similar and straightforward. Do a little bit more than what you did today. That's it. Run one mile today. Well, how about you run 1.1 tomorrow? and 1.5 the next weekend, and so on and so forth. So if you feel you overeat, here's what you have to do. So eat slower, chew more, smaller plate, and eat just a little less than you normally do. Get that framing out of your mind. Like If it's, uh, say, dosa night at home, I eat, Four doses. No, forget that number four. Likewise, I eat two paratas. Doesn't matter. Stop with that number. Just listen to your body. And eat a little lesser than what you would normally. And I mean 5% lesser. No. Think about this. Because I've had multiple people over the pandemic as they've had more mental bandwidth to sit at home and analyze things like this and introspect, all they did was something similar, which is reduce what they eat and their doctors are excited about their blood work. And so are they. So reverse linear progression to find the right portion sizes for you. Do it. That's the first piece. The second one, a small thought on play. I used to think play meant only playing sports or video games. And a few years ago, I unfortunately stopped doing both. And initially, it brought about more grumpiness in my life. Then I realized that I could play using a variety of activities. Because what was essential it was about finding an enjoyable activity where I could lose myself, where there was discovery, learning, fun, the occasional community, and some skill progression without that being the thought at all. So having enough play in my life is mandatory. But what changed it for me was learning to think about it differently. This has allowed me to 
do so much more than being confined to, oh, I got to go find a sport to play or I got to go play video games. That's that. And on to the final piece for today. How to plank hard enough to hold up a building. Linkage and tension. The plank is one of the fundamentals of strength training. Actually, scratch that. I think the word strength training turns some people off because it is a bit scary. The plank is one of the fundamental ways in which you train and retrain yourself to use your body to express its potential. Even as you progress in your skills, how well you can plank continues to play a rather important role. Because your skill in planking keeps improving in subtle and invisible ways. Let me explain. The plank is an expression of linkage. How well can you link your muscles and joints and the connective tissue on the bones to create absolutely no weak links between your head and toe? The top of your squat is a plank. The top of the swing, a plank with a bell that's going away from you, which you're controlling. The deadlift is a moving plank. Now, how well you can create and maintain this linkage determines how well you learn to move and express your body. And the plank is also about creating tension. Strength training is tension. How much can you tense all the muscles in your body? Think about it being a meter from, um, you know, a scale from 1 to 10. Our muscles are already a little tense, right? They're not at zero. They are, at, let's call it a 2 or 3. Because if they weren't, you will collapse into a bag of bones. Now, squeeze your fists and you just increased the tension, the muscle tone around your fist and your forearm, right? So can you make it at 10? That would be great. And that's what you learn to do with a plank. Linkage and tension. Now what happens when we lift a heavy load or say try to run faster or say do a planche or a flag or you know, any kind of higher level of skill in your domain? you absolutely are improving at these fundamentals, linkage and tension. And upping the intensity is what is required. To go, say, from a plank to a planche just means a progression in that skill, which means a progression in the fundamentals. The mind needs to get better at talking with the body. The signals to tighten up and create tension and move in this fashion or versus that fashion comes from here. That's why when you start off, you know, you feel ungainly and not so graceful. But as your neuromuscular coordination improves, you start to lift more, you look more graceful and all that, right? You feel more skilled. Hey, I'm figuring this out. 
And another way we can improve our skill is by increasing the intensity of the exercise. Simply put, you can squat 10 kilos. Well, squatting 20 kilos increases the intensity because you automatically have to create more tension, more linkage, and to do the extra work that's required. Or you fail sometimes because your body does not know to create that. Now a caveat, most of you rush to lift more weights or run faster or run longer than you are currently capable of. Yes, while that's what I meant when I said up the intensity, remember you do this on a firm foundation, you never neglect the fundamentals and you take your time to get there. But of course, this comes from me making the mistake I just told you not to do. So you can learn from my mistakes, improve your fundamentals and keep working on them and take it slow or rush, make your own mistakes, which is absolutely fine. Learn from them. So all this leads to a light bulb moment I had very recently because I did my best recent plank. While I plank as part of my warm up in almost every training session, there is an upper limit on how much tension I'm able to create neurologically. Now, this is, as I mentioned, the mind and body, right? It's a skill, learning to tense and equally learning to relax. In fact, the higher up the athlete food chain you go, the better they are at this. Now, why are some people able to lift a stupid amount of weight or do, you know, the human flag or whatever it is? Of course, consistency, training etiquette and all that but one of the many skills, linkage and the ability to create tension via this mind-body connection. So, if you can do it without props, that is, if you can create as much tension to lift 20 kilos, the same tension, say, that your body automatically produces when you lift 80 kilos, you're onto something. Because this is a cool skill. Now, our content team does some amazing work. You should check us out on Insta. Now, recently, they were working um, on, a, on a few videos, and I got to goof around with them. It ended up with Coach Sudeep, all 75 kilos of him, sitting on me while I planked. Now, the linkage and tension my body generated was a new level that I have not done in my planks or, in fact, many of my weighted movements. Now, I started off in a regular elbow plank. It was pretty good, but I was nowhere near maximum tension, right? Let's call it I was at what I thought, an 8 on 10. He sat on me with his legs on the floor. So some amount of weight on me and my 8 on 10 was still good enough. And slowly, you know, he took one leg off and slowly took the other leg off and my body automatically started creating more tension and started linking itself even better. Now here I am thinking my planks pretty good. No, pretty good was true. But there were some gaps that I did not know that were automatically, reflexively 
squeezed and tightened up. For example, specifically, how much I could pull up my quads and tense them and how much I could drive my heels down. Yeah, with Sudeep on top of me sitting with his full weight. Big difference. The learning from something like this or squatting a crazy load or deadlifting a crazy amount is to bring it back into the other parts of your training. Now, my mind and body knows what a heart style plank is. Now, of course, I've done heart style planks and created tension levels. But this intensity allowed my mind and body to access a new level, to hit a new level. And now, what I need to do is Without Sudeep, without that intensity, can I train my mind and body to do this? Because remember, the hardware is already there, right? And you're constantly working on the hardware, but the software is something we tend to neglect. And that's what this 10-second plank helped me with. If you think about the heart style plank, the point of the heart style plank is not to do it for 30 seconds. In fact, the more skilled you get at the heart style plank, the faster you will fail because neurologically you're able to create that much tension. If you can sprint 100 meters in 5 seconds versus 50 seconds, which one do you think is harder? Obviously the 5 seconds. So what I learned is now that I know what's possible and my body has felt it, I can work on recreating this. There's one simple point to this story. It is this. Treat your light weights as if they were heavy. Then magically your heavy weights become light. And a last uh, safety related announcement. Please don't do this at home, which obviously is a signal and indication for you to do it right now. So please stay sensible. Do not start off with someone way heavier than you are. Do not have them jump or stand on you. Have them put a little bit of weight, maybe just pushing into your back, or you can do this with a backpack with minimal weight. And you can do what Sudeep did for me. Eventually, when you work up to it, which is both legs on the floor, then one leg off and one leg a little off, say their toes on the floor and things like that. should, of course, play around with it because I can't control what you do in your house, but be sensible. And that's it from me, folks. This is Coach AA signing off and I'll see you here next weekend. You have a good one. Bye.